Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome into College Football Live. I'm Kelsey Riggs, and we're coming out of the tunnel with transfer portal quarterback news that could affect the CFP. Texas's backup quarterback, Malik Murphy, is out. What's the impact for the Longhorns, and where's a good fit for him? Plus, speaking of backups, how do the other backups in the CFP compare if they ended up being needed? We'll dive into that, and we haven't crowned a 2023 champ yet, but the SEC's 2024 schedule is out. The biggest stands out and challenges coming up on College Football Live. Guys, we are counting down just 18 days away from New Year's Day and the CFP semifinal matchups between Michigan and Alabama in the Rose Bowl and Texas and Washington in the Sugar Bowl. And we start with the big news out of Texas as backup quarterback Malik Murphy announced he's transferring from Texas and won't be available for the CFP. Now, our Pete Thamel spoke to Murphy last night. He told him this, I hate it. I hate it. I'm super invested in this team. Everything that we've done along the way and all the work we've put in together, it's hard to walk away, especially at this point during the season. So let's bring in our college football insider, Pete Thamel, for more on this story. And Pete, when you spoke with Murphy, kind of different tone than you hear from a lot of guys when they're transfer portal quarterback because obviously they're playing right now and getting ready for these big games. What did he tell you about the timing and the why of why he's doing this right now? Yeah, Kelsey, I had a lot of empathy for Malik Murphy on the phone with him last night. He's clearly at a tough crossroads for his career. He wants to be with his teammates for the next game and potentially two games and help them win a national championship. But as that process unfolds, there are seats being taken in the musical quarterback chairs game. He said for himself and his future, he felt like it was the best for him to go on visits and explore explore opportunities that may not be there, especially if Texas wins and plays on January 8th. So Malik Murphy told me it was a difficult decision. As you said earlier, he hated it, but he felt like the best move for his future was to push on. He was one of the top quarterback recruits in the class of 2022. Kelsey, he won both his starts for the Longhorns this year and will be one of the most coveted quarterbacks to go through the portal this year. And I read your story, saw there were some quotes as well from his coach, his teammates who obviously understand what he's going through. Signing day is the 20th, so you would imagine even more of those spots will be locked up next Wednesday. As we talk about what's next for him, any possible landing spots for, for Malik Murphy right now? Well, Kelsey, preliminary list, it's, it's very early still. A couple of schools that have uh, indicated interest are both USC's, Southern California and South Carolina, Baylor, Georgia, Oregon State, Syracuse, and Duke. Those are uh, basically double as a list of quarterback needy schools, and there's going to be plenty of interest for Malik Murphy. If J.J. McCarthy leaves Michigan, that could be another potential landing spot down the line. 
Lots of big schools to keep an eye on big programs that could have an opportunity to get him. We will continue to monitor that. Pete Thamel back with us in a little while, but let's take a look at the other side of this big story, and that's the Texas quarterback situation now because Malik Murphy, he only had two starts, but when he got his opportunity, he did produce, of course, Quinn Ewers is the starter. Started 11 games for them this season, and then Arch Manning, a name that everybody knows very well, but we haven't seen very much of. Just five pass attempts in his first year there and complete two of those so obviously you hope your starter stays healthy guys but does they get ready for the college football playoff semifinals but Sam the reality of it is the reason that Malik Murphy had those two starts is because Quinn Ewers was hurt he's had some injuries what's your reaction to all of this and how it shakes out for Texas my first reaction is empathy for Malik Murphy. Why? I got a chance to spend time with this team this season. I called one of their games last season, and I got a chance to see Malik Murphy in the way that everyone gravitates around him. You know that he wants to be with the guys. The issue is, in less than a week, or really a week, yeah, less than a week is when the early signing day comes. Now, the other issue is this. Malik Murphy actually won his two starts, right? The reason Texas only has one loss is that when Quinn Ewers got hurt this year, Malik produced to Adonai Mitchell is probably his number one target and to Xavier Worthy. And so will Arch Manning be ready if an injury were to occur? That's the biggest question. Two for five, we saw it. He did look good, but he's not been operating as a primary backup all season long. Jordan? Yeah, it's really interesting just because Arch Manning is in a very different situation now. Usually when you're the number three quarterback going into the week, you're imitating the quarterback that the def that, that your defense is matched up against. So in practice, he's probably been imitating Michael Penix Jr. up until this point. But now he had, he's capable of being the backup now. So he goes from reading a scout team card to now taking significant reps behind Quinn Ewers in practice. And he has to understand that he's one play away from going in the game. So Coach Steve Sarkeesian, he did a good job of this throughout the season, especially during the back half corporate arts just trying to get his game speed up to bat so far but once again arch manning has to understand that he's one play away from going in and they've done a good job of just trying to get him into the mix and he's just not going in there cold and the importance jordan of the point you just made is that not only did quinn ewers miss games this season he also missed some games last season as well last season it was a different quarterback we saw casey thompson hudson card some of these quarterbacks go in and so there could be a potential of a backup being needed, if not in the Sugar Bowl, potentially if you win in the national championship. A lot of changes over the next 18 days as this team gets ready to play in the Sugar Bowl and prepare some more. And, of course, we hope that Quinn Ewers stays healthy. But we have seen quarterbacks get hurt on this kind of stage before. And the last time Texas played in a national championship, 2010, I know Texas fans remember quarterback Colt McCoy gets hit on the first offensive possession at the shoulder. He's out for the rest of the game. Now, Sam, you also remember this very well because you were on that team. So take us inside what that's like, what the impact is of seeing your quarterback go down on this kind of stage. We weren't ready, and that was the issue, right? Colt McCoy, we were undefeated that season. So Texas, that team, went to the national championship, hadn't lost. We won every game. So Colt McCoy was a primary guy, right? Heisman Trophy conversation. And though Garrett Gilbert did play in every single game, or 10 of the games, excuse me, we weren't ready for him to be the starter. And so when Colt got injured, Garrett didn't really have a ton of that experience. So similar fashion, let's say something happens. I'm not saying something does, but let's say in this situation, you have a quarterback in Arch Manning who has been operating as the three. And so there is not that litany of reps or that opportunity to get ready to be the backup. So the issue is going to be that mentality of can you take your team to a victory, not just playing anybody, you're playing some of the four best teams in all of college football. 
And they do have 18 days to prepare for their next game, and then we'll see what happens as you take a look at some of the other backup quarterbacks. That kind of got us thinking of who else is in the mix, and you take a look at the four teams and what they have. Ty Simpson uses legs when he had an opportunity, rushing for 118 yards and two rushing touchdowns. Of course, no more Tyler Buckner for Alabama. He's transferring back to Notre Dame to pay play lacrosse in the future, so that's interesting. Also, Jack Tuttle for Michigan, and then Washington's Dylan Morris, who is in the transfer portal, but is going to complete this season with Washington for now. Still to come here on College Football Live, bowl season is upon us, but so is schedule season. We've got a look at the SEC's rundown for next season coming up. College Football Live is brought to you by Popeye's Louisiana Kitchen. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back into College Football Live, keeping you updated with our portal tracker, and it continues to grow. Those numbers changing over 1,600 players, 1,666 to be exact. Still, those 113 FPS scholarship quarterbacks, but then a lot of group of five and power five players almost split right down the middle with that. But Sam and Jordan, as we bring you guys back in, the reason that these players are in the portal, it, it differs from player to player, from school to school, from reason to reason. And a lot of it, of course, bigger opportunities, NIL. You're looking for different things. But, Sam, it's not always that. What's your thought on the transfer portal? Well, both Jordan and I played in college football at a high level, and we understand that though the game has changed, some of the coaching issues are still the same. So transfer portal opens up. Sometimes players want to leave. Sometimes coaches are recommending that they leave. Coaches are saying, hey, you may be number two, number three, number four on the depth chart. You may not get an opportunity, so I'd highly recommend that you go. They may not do it on the outside and publicly, but inside of some of these meeting rooms, I think the reason why you're seeing these portal numbers blow up isn't solely because players are looking for better NIL deals. Some of them are being kicked out. And it's not just for those reasons, too. It's also for opportunity, like we talked about a little bit earlier, Sam, off, off the show. Some of these FCS players, they're looking for bigger opportunities. And I think a great example of that, take example of Jared Verse, going from Albany to Florida State and the impact that he has had. So there's a lot of kids that are going for bigger opportunities from FCS schools. And those FCS Division II, Division III schools, they are kind of have transitioned into being a feeder system for those bigger schools. So I think that's one of the biggest reasons that a lot of these smaller school kids are looking for those bigger opportunities, not only with NIL, but also just having being able to be showcased on a bigger stage, too. Well, 100%. And the other thing that you take into account is coaching changes because guys do leave when coaches come in, and that shuffles it, too, as we bring back in our Pete Thamel. Pete, a lot of the big-name guys we're talking about are for obvious reasons, for bigger schools, better opportunities, NIL deals. Take us through some of the big names in the portal right now and what you're hearing today. What's the latest? Well, Kelsey, just within the last half an hour, we broke that Aiden Childs, uh, Oregon State's backup quarterback last year, is going to follow Jonathan Smith to Michigan State. Childs was good enough that starting September 30th, he played the third series of every game in place of DJ Uwe Ungale. Jonathan Smith now has a quarterback to build around 
in East Lansing with Aiden Childs. He's 6'3", 200 pounds, and extremely talented. It's been a great match for both sides. As for Kyle McCord, what we know is that he will not be going to Nebraska. Sources have told me in the last 24 hours that that match did not happen. It's another sign that Dylan Rayola will likely be headed there. He's expected to visit Lincoln this weekend, and we could have a decision on Rayola flipping from Georgia to Nebraska in the upcoming days. Rayola is obviously one of the top recruits in the country. And then we'll finish with a little bit of an unusual twist here. Drew Pine, the Notre Dame quarterback who went 8-2 as a starter there, transferred to Arizona State last year, started just one game because of injuries. He's actually transferring back to Notre Dame, Kelsey, but he won't be playing this spring. He's going to be a civilian student, take 15 credits, get his degree. He then plans to transfer, and he'll have three seasons of eligibility remaining left. He has the 2020 COVID year and a medical red shirt. So Drew Pine will be on the market after this spring once he gets his degree from Notre Dame. 26 years old, potentially, if he's able to play those next three years. It is a really interesting story, but hey, you know how much that college degree is worth, especially when you get it from Notre Dame. Pete Thamel with the latest here on College Football Live. Now, some other teams that are doing big things in the transfer portal and in NIL. Well, no surprise, Colorado, as we take a look at some of the commits that Coach Prime and the Buffaloes received from the portal. Six of their eight commits thus far are Offensive linemen, no surprise. It's an area of focus as their quarterback, Sher Sanders, was sacked 52 times this season, the most in FBS. Jordan, this is a team that we were really hot on and excited about early in the season, but then they finished 4-8, and eight, had some trouble down the stretch, staying healthy, protecting Sher Sanders, and some of the other things. But, Jordan, how do you see this working out for Coach Prime and the Buffaloes in year two when they are getting it done with so many new faces? Well, the only way to go is up, right, especially with this offensive line. They just were not very good in front of Shador Sanders last year. But with Colorado, I think the thing that's really interesting is that when I look across the landscape of college football and I see some of the best offensive lines in the country, whether it's Alabama, Oregon, Georgia, Michigan, some of these blue blood type of programs, the thing that is a little bit tricky with offensive line is that you want them to develop within your system. So I think the tricky part for Colorado is getting all these transfers. It's gonna it's gonna be really difficult for them to mesh together. And Sam can attest to this. That uh, Sam can attest to this as well. Excuse me. Specialists and offensive linemen. They're their own group. It's like their own little clique together. So go ahead, Sam. Yeah, and Jordan, to your point. To your point, Jordan, it takes so long for teams to mesh as a whole. One of my best friends is a coach at Purdue University Northwest, uh, coaches basketball there, and he's talked about how much he's on the road. This is year four or five of this program, and they're finally finding ways to win. They just beat the number 14 team in the nation. And so whether it's through transfer portal, whether it's through recruits, we saw Colorado sign one of the top offensive line recruits in the nation. We saw Travis Hunter, one of the number one recruits in the nation, come to Colorado. All we're seeing is the team meshing, and it's actually more challenging when you bring in transfers because they, they may not know your culture. They may not know how you operate as a team, and so I think you have to actually be a better coach to get everyone together. We're seeing it in some of the championship teams, right? We're seeing Jane Daniels, Highland Trophy winner, as they transfer. Dylan Johnson, running back, star running back from Washington, transfer. And so for me, Michael Penix transfer. The list goes on and on and on. And so shout out to some of these coaches who are actually building their programs with players who weren't a part of their initial coaching staffs. It is really interesting, an interesting time in college football right now. Also, Sam, you said one of your, your 
coaching best friends, and I thought you were talking about Coach Prime, thinking back to when you are hanging out with him on the sidelines early in the season. <laughs> Meanwhile, it's time for our weekend lineup, brought to you by Wendy's Beef. Three bowl games on Saturday on ABC, 12 p.m. The Cricket Celebration Bowl, 3.30. Avocados from Mexico, Cure Bowl, and finally, the L.A. Bowl at 7.30. More to come here on College Football Live. On the other side of this break, the SEC. The schedule is out for next year. Yes, there are more teams in it, and some of these schedules are going to be tough. We take a deep dive after this. They're going to continue to fill us all season. All season. Where else would y'all rather be? We're going to do what we do, though. That's free feeling. What a way to start off the new year as we do every year. The CFP semifinals, Michigan and Alabama at 5 and Washington, Texas at 8.45. That is just 18 days away, and this is what we're all playing for. College football playoff national championship trophy presented by Dr. Pepper. Ahead of this, though, we have some big news as schedules for the SEC was were released last night. And you guys, I want to dive into some of them. And we're going to start with Alabama. Of course, we've got all 16 SEC teams getting ready for next year. We got to see all of the schedules and to look at who they're playing and when. Obviously, knew a lot of the matchups, but now officially we know when. So, Sam, let's start with Alabama and their schedule as you take a look at it on their screen. One of the big things, and this had kind of come out in pieces before, September 28th, we're going to get to see Alabama, Georgia. That's going to be a massive one. Well, I can't wait to watch that one. But interestingly enough, the week before they go to Wisconsin, Wisconsin may be improved with their second-year head coach. And so you go to that Georgia game September 28th. Fast forward, I look at LSU, I see Oklahoma. You see the Iron Bowl as well. So those are going to be huge games. Oklahoma will be under its third year under Brent Venables. That's when Steve Sarkeesian made the jump. Oklahoma may be making that same jump as well. It's going to be really interesting. Good stuff there for Alabama. Let's take a look at another team that I know a lot of people have a lot of interest in, and that is the two-time defending champs in Georgia. I mentioned that game. Of course, you'll see it on the schedule as well. September 28th, just the fifth time the past 20 years these SEC powerhouses have played in the regular season. Jordan, what else stands out about what the Bulldogs will have to deal with? Well, of course, the season opener is one that everybody is going to be looking forward to, as you alluded to, with that game in Clemson uh, in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium um, in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm really looking forward to that one. But, of course, the showdown against Alabama actually happening during the season this year. Both teams have bye weeks before that game, so they're going to be well-rested. And I just cannot wait to see Kirby Smart and Nick Saban clash now in the season. Going to be interesting. You mentioned the bye weeks. Two open dates for each team. They will each play at at least one required opponent from the ACC, Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12, Major Independent, and then, of course, have those two bye weeks. Let's take a look at another schedule, and it's Florida because this is going to be a really tricky one for the Gators. You start things off with Miami, which, Sam, is always fun to get to see Florida and Miami go to head-to-head. Look at the back half of their schedule, though, Ocho. Hey, Kelsey, I'm going to call this November. Look at November, y'all. You got Georgia, which is number six right now. You got Texas, number three. LSU, number 13. Ole Miss, number 11. Florida State, number five. 
all of November is going to be brutal for Florida unless they get their stuff together. There's going to be no ETN. He enter the transfer portal, start running back. And so this is going to be very interesting for fans. One of my other buddies, Davis Trey Burton, he played in the NFL, played for Florida. He'll be rooting the team on. But man, Georgia, Texas, LSU, Ole Miss, Florida State. Good luck to them Gators. I mean, the whole schedule, starting off with Miami, then you had Texas a at Tennessee mid-October. That's always a tough place to play. But, man, those last five games are going to be a brutal, brutal stretch for the Gators. Let's take a look at another schedule, and that's LSU. We know they started things off in a big way this year. Of course, they had the reigning Heisman Trophy winners. Looking to see what they can do next year. But, Jordan, as you take a look at what lies ahead for them, what stands out for the Tigers? There's three games that really stand out to me, and of course that season opener. That's one game a lot of people are going to have circled in the Legion Stadium in Las Vegas. I cannot wait to see the matchup between these two teams of LSU and USC. Stylistically, two teams that are similar, uh, with Lincoln Riley's system being more so of an air raid, and then also Brian Kelly's system, that down-the-field passing attack. LSU is likely going to be breaking in a new quarterback next year, so we'll see what does happen there. But also Alabama. That is always a great game, returning back into Death Valley, where LSU did beat Alabama last season, and then of course the season finale against Oklahoma. Those are the three games that I'm going to have circled on LSU's schedule. Texas and Oklahoma coming into the SEC has been such a big storyline for such a long time. And let's take a look at Texas's schedule and what they're going to face in their first year in the SEC. And Sam, I saw you shaking your head already. You see the game with Oklahoma on October 12th. And then a lot of those really, really tough SEC opponents, especially on the back half, Sam. Yeah, I don't know if the Oklahoma game should be the game that we're highlighting, right? Go to September 7th. <laughs> zoom your eyes there. The day after my birthday, right? Your boy's going to be getting older. Michigan at Michigan, right? So another one of my – I'm talking about my buddies today. Steve Carter, a good friend of mine, huge Michigan fan. We've been talking about that game for the last two or three years. Going to be epic. UTSA is going to be a great game as well. Jeff Trailer, one of the best coaches in the nation. Oklahoma, we've talked about. Then after that, Georgia. What? I'm okay, what? You got Michigan, Oklahoma, Georgia, Florida, talked about them. And then last but not least, renewing the old rivalry between Texas and Texas A&M. Remember, back in 2011, the last time Texas and A&M played each other. All, and Judge Justin Tucker won a game-winning field goal, and, and all of a sudden, A&M went to the SEC and the rest is history, right? I will say this, though. That will be epic. That's going to be at AM. That's the loudest place I have ever played in my life. Kyle Field, the home of the 12th man. I also played in, in the NFL, played for, against the Seahawks. That has a 12th man as well. That game's going to be crazy. So, Texas fans, welcome to the SEC. We love rivalry <laughs> renewed. We also love the fact, I do anyways, no divisional competition for this team, I mean, for this conference, first time since 1991. Uh, quickly, before we let you guys go, just wondering, I love you in your jobs now. Nobody leave us. But um, Iowa actually posting on their website that they're looking for an offensive coordinator. Not something you see every day. Just click it, apply. I mean, hey, Sam? Give it to our former QB, Kelsey Jordan. Give it to Jordan. Former QB, <laughs> knows the game, knows all the players, get all the recruits. Go ahead, get it. Tomorrow.